Soft Straight Talk Show. What's going down? What's going down on your side of town? It is Monday morning. It is November the 4th. And we do have boxing to talk about. NFL and a little bit of NBA. I'm going to get things started off on the boxing tip. Combat sport. Had a... Had a decent Saturday night. You know, UFC had an event for the BMF belt. The baddest motherfucker belt. Um, that was going up against Jorge Mastodal versus Nate Diaz. Mastodal got the victory. So now he has the BMF belt. I leave that part, you know what I'm saying, with my head scratching because I don't really know what the belt means. Y'all know what it means, but it's, I don't know what it means in the UFC. Is it meaningless? Is it just going to be passed around different divisions? Are they going to make one for every division? How is this going to be passed down? Because when you look at the matchup, it's like those two ain't the two baddest motherfuckers in UFC. So that's why I kind of kept it light on the UFC tip over the weekend. It was so pumped up for the Zones presentation of Canelo versus Sergey Kovalev. Um, that fight was a good one, somewhat close. I'm gonna get into that, but just the card itself, you know, had it, it presented itself some good fights. Vander Holyfield's son, Evan Holyfield, goes out there and gets a victory. Call him what's his nickname? I believe it's uh, Young Holy. Um. 16-second knockout victory. Um, just just letting everybody know that he's he's arrived, but not in the in the arrival saying like a Wilder or somebody like that. But we're gonna keep our eyes out on Mr. Young Holy. I mean that's for sure. If you're presenting, you know, saying if you if you're coming out there with with the opening statement like that for your pro debut. That's something pretty good. We also had two females who duped it out. Um, don't really know the history between those two, but they had bad blood coming into that fight. Estrada and Esparza. Uh, for what I can understand, that Esparza, um, I guess, maybe not be the head of the, 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 the trash talk, but Estrada, darn sure, was about that life and, and was ready to trash talk and was ready to fight. As the fight went on, I mean, you can kind of see that Estrada was really one of the knock was throwing, you know, saying bombs or whatever, but Sparza was trying to box and trying to, you know, throw power shots as well. Just as the fight went on, you can kind of see that Esparza was uh, was going to get tired first. But, of course, an unfortunate event, accidental headbutt happens, and then now you're really going to get tired because now you got to deal with that and being weary. Took another headbutt to the to the head, and the cut opened up worse. And he went all the way to the ninth round, and then they stopped it after Robert Bird asked her if she could see. She said no, and they stopped it. Looked like Estrada was going to get the victory outright, but they went to the scorecards because she can't see because of the cut on her head. She her eyes weren't swollen or nothing like that. So that happened, and then. 
You know, you go to the scorecards and then Estrada wins by a landslide, which I didn't see that, which that happens in boxing. But when you look at somebody, you know, t- how they take punches, that is something to judge and look at. Estrada was not taking punches like Estrada was. She wasn't eating them. I mean, she was faint. I mean, she was making facial expressions. She was, she was, you know, wobbly. She was, you know, she came back and fought. It wasn't like she was laying down. It's just how she took punches and punishment. She just looked like she was dead in water. So I think after each round, you look at that, even though she might have fought in the round, she was throwing punches back. You kind of have to have a body language to say, hey, I'm okay. And that just wasn't it. Um... You know, that's that just that's just the way it goes. So now we're gonna be, you know, say moving up into the co main event where Ryan Garcia was facing a guy named Duno. Now Duno was a guy that Ryan Garcia was supposed to fight and it didn't happen. You know, social media stuff happened, Garcia talks about De La Hoya and wants to this and wants to get signed and all that stuff like that. You know, it's almost kinda of like an NFL thing. He gets taken care of, he's 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 cinched in. So now the Duno fights back on and was, you know, set and everything go. It was a tough challenge. People sit there and had the nerve to say that he was scared to fight Duno. So here we are in this in this fight and entrances are, you know, out and introductions and everything like that. King Rye, Ryan Garcia, you know, 20 years old, 20, 20, 20, I think he's 20 years old, 21. No, he's 21. Got a little kid, you know, a little, little, little family. So he's, he's growing up fast, but he throws punches fast. He throws punches hard. Ryan Garcia is a special talent. Now, he goes out there in the first round, and Duno comes out there throwing bombs. He's throwing, you know what I'm saying, he's trying to be aggressive. He's not haymaker. He's just trying to be aggressive. Just trying to let Ryan Garcia know that you're not going to sit there and get set and try to pop shot me. And next thing you know, Ryan Garcia just says, you know what? Okay, I'm going to throw punches then. And, you know, you throw these punches and, you know, just like I was saying with the Sparza, you know, you can throw punches and, you know, try to stay in the fight or you thinking that you, but he was throwing with mean intent. And, but it's just so effortless as a flick and how strong he can punch. Excuse me. I mean, Ryan Garcia just 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 over, overwhelmed him, I believe, with a, somebody who likes to come forward and take punches sometimes, because he was moving his head a little bit. But you know, he 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 was wanting to see if he could take his power, and he took Ryan's right hand, he smiled, he took a left, and the smile went away, and he took a right, then a left, and then another right, and the next thing you know, this man couldn't get up from a ten count. It was over. Arm was dead, leg looked dead. He was gone. So, I mean, like, Ryan Garcia gets the first-round knockout on somebody he was scared to fight, supposedly. And that's how he's supposed to handle it. Moving on to the main event, we got Canelo going against Sergey Kovalev. Sergey Kovalev, the crusher, the guy who just went through Gene Pascal, went through Bernard Hopkins, went through this. He was knocking people stupid. Gets up to Tony uh, Andre Ward. Knocks Andre Ward down. Close fight. People thought he won. He lost. Rematch comes. Another close fight. He loses in stoppage this time. Comes back, loses in another stoppage to a... Well, he wins his comeback fight. Then loses to a stoppage to a guy named Edelier Alvarez. The reason why I brought that up because he's about to fight another Alvarez, but it's just to show that he's not untouchable anymore. 
So coming into this fight, 36 years old, you know, Kovalev is looking to say, well, at least I'm fighting somebody smaller. And I'm still a champion in the light heavyweight division. He's moving up two weight classes. Now, we've seen how this happened. Mike Garcia loses to Errol Spence. Rigondale loses to Lomachenko when attempts to try to move up two weight classes. Golovkin knocks the freaking retina out of Kell Brook for carrying out loud. So we know how this goes. Coming into the fight, we know that Canelo is strong. He's 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 fast. He's you know he's fresh and he's young and he's younger than Kovalev. But we're still looking at the size differential. Like, ooh, how this gonna happen? And as that fight happened, you're looking at like, okay, jab here, jab there. But all this jab is coming from the powerful guy Kovalev. I mean, what's happening on Canelo's side? Counter shots, counter lefts, hook, counter right, straight right, jab, very so often. But a lot of power shots were coming from counters. And he did that for rounds and rounds in and rounds out. Um, Chris Mannix, uh, out of uh, Sports Illustrated, I think he does work for the ringer with Bill Simmons. I mean, he gave favorably a couple rounds back-to-back to Kovalev that I didn't see. But it just looked like Kovalev made a, one, a few of the middle rounds. Um, it took, I felt like he started slow. I felt like, you know, those counter shots. I mean, you, you find different people who judge this fight differently. But I just look at when you are landing counter shots and not getting hit, you're winning a fight. And he wasn't getting hit a whole lot with those jabs. So Canelo just stayed course to that. But it was a couple rounds he slipped. You know, seventh, eighth round, ninth round. He looked he looked like he took the eighth round completely off. Especially after taking one of uh, Kovalev's two powerful shots. I think he's the two best shots he landed in the fight. So when you take that, you're like, oh, my God. Like, he, he really got a pound, uh, packs a punch. But then Kovalev... Looks a little tired, too, now. As you can see, he comes over to the side over about the 10th round. He looks real kind of busted. But the body shots, it takes a hold. And that and that's a whole different type of journey to take when you're fighting a Canelo Overrez or Errol Spence. So people like to dig in the body, man. It's tough. Andre Ward. So, I mean, come out in the 11th round, it just looked like, can it happen here? And, you know, and the punches were starting to steal. They're still, the counter shots are still landing. And then body shots and stuff. But then Kovalev opened up and started throwing punches. Next thing you know, he got hit. It went one way. And then they got hit again. And here comes the left hook. Left hook lands flush. And then the right hand puts him out. The referee don't even count. He was out through the ropes. Good stoppage by me, I, I would say, in my opinion. And, you know, Kovalev. Goes down, and, and now it makes history with Canelo being the fourth time, uh, fourth division champion and moving up two weight classes to do it and fighting the champion. I mean, um, Rui Jones did that with Ruiz, but I look at Kovalev more of a danger than Ruiz to, to that in that scenario. I think Canelo has some problems with distance in that show, and I think that uh, if he tried to fight in the lightweight division, he would have trouble. Honestly, do. So, I mean, like, you know, it was good weekend. It was good, good fights, and... Um, Looking at Dazone and looking at what's coming in the future with, uh, with Ruiz and uh, Josh and stuff like that, they do pretty good. It wasn't great. It wasn't the greatest production. And commentary always isn't the best. But, you know, I watch fighting on country music TV. So, I mean, like, that's just me. But, you know, we're going to move it forward talking about the NFL and, and the NBA. But I just wanted to give you that. What we saw Saturday night was a very good Canelo. But, you know, I really wish he would go back down to his weight class to fight the best of the best there because, hey, it would be better fights, and he would lose distance against guys like Bitter Beef or Bibble. And that would hurt if he got hurt in those fights and didn't lose. But I think he has a good chance against those guys. I'm not really selling sure. I think he's a pound-for-pound pound best. I think he's pound-for-pound pound number one. 
But if he goes up against Better Beef or guys like Bivol, I mean, that might be too tough of a challenge, man, weighing 175 pounds. Even though he might walk around that weight, it's still tough. But we're going to be back. I'm going to talk some uh, NBA and NFL. Soft Straight Talk Show. Soft Straight Talk Show. I am back. I am back. This is Tuesday. Recording what I talked about on Combat Sports was on Monday. Today is Tuesday morning. I'm here to talk about week nine of the NFL and as we coming up on week 10, and my power rankings will be coming out. So y'all be looking out for that. Top 10. I don't do all 30 teams. I don't do all that. It's just straight up top 10 power rankings. Where you're going to be, where you're not. So, week 9 was interesting. Which I want to say this much right here. NFL has been kicking college football's ass this season. I would say... College footballs came up with some victories over the years. But this year, NFL's winning, man. I mean, it's really winning. And I just got to, ah, man, this is this is, this is is good, man. This has been a good year. Been a good year for rookies. It's been a good year for just good stories. Dean Minshew and my um, uh, little stories throughout the league. Joe Kobe Brissett, you know, he's dealing with injury. I mean, look at uh, things like uh, – Russell Wilson, man, like, it's just a lot of different storylines that you can go off from. It's just like, man, it's real good, real good. Um, but uh, I'm going to talk about this this week of football. Um, to head things off, I wanted to say um, what is up with the Popeye's chicken thing? Like, and I just—I'm I, going to be very brief with this before I really kick things off, because like, it came back Sunday, and already somebody's been killed over a chicken sandwich. Um, let's be better than that, people. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's be better than that. We got people out here risking their lives in the military, risking their lives, law enforcement, which you know. That's a whole nother story that I can get into, which I'm not about law enforcement, but Jesus. But uh, it's just what I'm saying is, is that we 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 go out here, you know, daily to try to put food on the uh, put food on table for our families and things like that. We work hard. Everybody got different walks of life, and make their income and stuff like that. But I just be damned if somebody could be just getting off of work. Or, or having a long day or something like that, you know, or just thinking like, man, I'm going to go get some food. But, you know, get a fascination by this chicken sandwich that a restaurant who's been open for forever. And they never had uproars of murders and things of that nature. That I don't know, that I, that I, I that, that's from far as I know. That here we are on the first week of this sandwich coming back after the first uproar, which was crazy fights and this stuff and that stuff. Now we're getting stabbed to death? I mean, damn. Can we enjoy something without that? I mean, just look at like Black Friday. Black Friday, somebody's got to get jumped. Somebody's got to get somebody stolen this. And somebody got their jaw broke. Somebody got stabbed. We, we don't need that. And we're coming up on that time. That's why I don't do Black Friday. This is why I don't really glad that Popeyes is not in Charleston, West Virginia. But I wish we had one, so I can say I'm gonna get a Popeyes chicken sandwich. But I hope I won't get stabbed to death. It's not that serious. Don't let social media blow something up like this. It's all of what it is. If we didn't have social media, I promise you, it wouldn't be like that. 
It'll be it'll be popular. People be talking about it. Yeah, the lines will be long, but for is this exaggeration? It's for attention. That's bottom line. People do now. People do stuff now for total attention on social media. Kids cussing out loud in the classrooms. Uh, uh, you see it all over the place. People sitting there stealing stuff out of restaurants and walking out, all because the cameras on them. We don't need social media to sit there and cause this big of uproar where people got to lose their life over something that's going to kill us any damn way, slowly but surely. Because the damn thing probably got so much damn grease and, and salt and sodium and all this shit in it. Enough of them, hell, we're going to get heart, heart damn disease anyway. So before I go on with my show, I just want to say, let's be smart, not a retard. <laughs> Like Eminem said, man. <laughs> like I, I just, I just hate, and you know, I'm, I'm sorry to use that word, but it just that's a line from a song. But it's just like, man, like we, we're smarter than that, man. Like we, we, we don't, we don't need to be out here risking our lives for poultry, unless you know, saying it's kill to be killed. Like it's like we gotta go hunt our food, and that's the last chicken out there. I gotta get it. It's like, come on, man. It's a restaurant, man. Like, they're going to sell more chickens. Like, go home and make a damn oodles and noodles sandwich. I don't know. I mean, like, if you ain't got no food at home, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Go to Wendy's. Get a four for four. I mean, like, if they added a chicken sandwich, man, there's other options. You can go get pizza. You can go get whatever, man. You can get something else at Popeye's. They got chicken strips. They got chicken biscuits. They got sides. You can get a Eight piece, like, come on, man! You're acting like a chicken sandwich is all that's all it is, and you know I'm just gonna keep it going on that, man. I just wanted to put that out there, man. Like, we don't need to be out there acting foolishness like that because what it is is we're finding more and more there's black people. I'm gonna be straight out and say it: it's black people acting up, man, over a fucking chicken sandwich. Straighten up, man! Like, golly, like clogged arteries is that is that important? Jeez. Yeah, keep it moving. Cowboys, last night, Monday Night Football. Um, like I said, it's always interesting watching the Giants because it's fun watching Saquon Barkley and his, you know, wheels for legs. But knowing that they're not going to win the game, um, you know, it, it, it's – it's one of those things where a team can struggle, but you can enjoy watching a player play. But when you look at the Cowboys, man, after that loss to the Jets, you can kind of see how they how they want to attack you now. It's you know which which is you know which is good. <clears throat> Give the ball to Zeke, man. Like let Zeke eat. Like he's gonna find a way. And I think the offensive line is starting to get more and more locked in as the season goes in. Um, you know, Dak is, you know, making the uh, defense honest and all that good stuff. Um, you look at you look at five plays that they that they can run, you know, saying they you know, they might sit there and they run, they run, they they throw short, the next thing you know, they they play with you and then they find a gallop or Mark Cooper just sitting dead red in the zone. Just like when they one play where uh, Cooper kinda lost his footing a little bit. But it just, you know, finds you right there, man. We're going to sit you there. But it was interesting, though. The first play of the game was an interception. 
Um, you know what I'm saying? Just a nice little little screen that looked like a little 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 pop pass. Got fired in there a little bit too low and, and for a defender like uh, number 41 to go and get that. It started the game off interesting. It gave the Giants some hope, some momentum. But, you know, for a close game it was, for, for a good part of it, um, you kind of could see that the Dallas Cowboys was going to control um, the game because they was controlling the line of scrimmage. I mean, they were, they were really – um, putting in work. Daniel Jones was just not, you know, saying being, you know, saying ready. You know, he wasn't being um, taking the momentum, you know, bull by the horn, so as you will. I mean, like, you know, just just kind of pissing that away. Now they get down there, they score with Latimer in the second quarter. Um, like I said, it, it does nothing because then Blake Jarwin comes down and, you know, saying it. it um, they got to find some way to utilize, because I'm going to be straight up honest, the, the Giants got talent. If you look at Ingram, Barkley, Vladimir. I mean, I know they got injuries at the wide receiver position, but they're not completely horrible or non-talented. Like, they're just lacking of. I think Daniel Jones now, after that Tampa Bay Buccaneer win, it's starting to see the, uh, the, 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 the the traps that the NFL can put on you as a quarterback, especially with these defense coordinators, but they can sit there and show you. Jalen Smith flying all over the place. He had eight tackles, but just, just you know, just getting to places. Um, the safety play by the Cowboys was great. Um, it just really made it look hard for the kid. 26 or 41, 210 yards of the touchdown interception. 70, uh, 74 quarterback rate. Saquon Barkley was asked at the end of the game, you know, it's got to be frustrating, but, you know, with the, with the team's, you know, saying shortcomings, whatever, he feels that, you know, the team's going to be turning up, which is good. I mean, he's playing for us. He's playing at home, you know what I'm saying? He's not going to sit there and be like, yeah, like Minka Fitzpatrick or uh, somebody like that who wants to leave. He wants to stay and make that team good because he's not doing bad. But it just how can the team trend up? It's, it's, it takes a start, but to to be able to you know hang in there and play close to some of these games I've watched them play, they're not horrible. You, you know, it's just going to take that time to really get there. I mean, like I said, man. I mean, Saquon Barkley. I mean, they're gonna load the box, but he can catch. He gets loose. He's going to get close to eighty yards, ninety yards from scrimmage a game. If you put all that together with your wide receivers and, and with Ingram and, and, and I'll put that together, he can start getting 100 yards a game because if you sit there and look at the Cowboys, Dak Prescott, 22 or 35, 257, three touchdown passes. I don't see Zeke with a touchdown pass. I see Zeke with 23 carries, 139 yards. That's just bell cow stuff. We averaging six yards per carry. If you go look at Saquon Barkley's yards per carry, he's only averaging two. But if you look at his catches, you get to see the electricity. But he would be able to do more with the carries if if they can find a way to be more effective by moving the ball, mixing and matching with the running and the passing, keeping the defense honest. Dallas was like, well, hell, we know what you're going to do. But if you try to pass it, we'll we stop that. And, you know, good plays by Woods, good plays by uh, Deion Lewis at the end of the game. But, you know, they just made the necessary plays.
Um, Xavier Woods, who, you know what I'm saying, he's been playing great this season. Jeff Heath, you know what I'm saying, he's been, you know what I'm saying, I guess being a, a, a good complimentary to that, and they've been able to get things done. Demarcus Lawrence got a sack. Um, he, you know what I'm saying, got to, you know what I'm saying, with, with what you have in the defensive line now with Michael Bennett with the sack, and now you got, you know what I'm saying, uh, Quinn. It, it just, sky's the limit. Jordan Lewis, I want to sit there and say this, you know what I'm saying, doing a good job of um, covering guys and, and um, getting the job done. Chidobe Awuzie, another one. So what I'm saying is that the Dallas Cowboys, with all the stink that they get, they know how to draft and they know how to they, – they're, they're getting the, those parts right. Jalen Smith, Awuzie, Jordan uh, Lewis. I mean, those are three draft picks right there. You got to love it. But it was just a good, um, you know, second half, uh, I guess you could say, adjustment or just late in the game to where you can sit there and say, okay, let's start picking this apart because it was working in the first half. It just certain things just had the game off kilter. You throw a pick in the first play of the game, things get kind of, you know what I'm saying, troublesome. Michael Gallup with a hell of a catch, with a hell of a play, or what touchdown he made where he jumped over the guy. Um, Michael Gallup only had the two catches in the game. That's why I said, you know what I'm saying, whenever he shows up, he's going to show up big. Amari Cooper, four catches, 80 yards. And, uh, yeah, 37-18 is your final. Now the Giants are 2-7, and seven, the Dallas Cowboys 5-3. and three. When you look at the, AFC, the NFC East, the Eagles feeling pretty good after their two-game win streak. Can Dallas keep it going? But you know who Dallas is going to be having to play up here soon? And everybody knows that that is the New England Patriots are coming. But they got to deal with Minnesota, who's coming off a loss. Got to deal with Detroit, who's coming off a loss. So can they go ahead and just breeze bodies and get ready for Thanksgiving for New England? Can they now? Which I think they're playing Buffalo at Thanksgiving. I'm not sure. But, um, no, it's New England. It's New England. Um, with Minnesota, that's going to be an interesting game because uh, the way they mix matching, passing, and running, you know what I'm saying? Now, I know they didn't, they didn't really get to, to exercise that demon in their last game, but Dalvin Cook can get loose on them if they sit there and get Diggs going and Thielen and all those guys going. Like, yeah, they can get real nasty, but, I mean, they're going to have to defend well, but I think they can win that game. Um, it's an 8 o'clock game. I, th I think they can win that one. Detroit, that's a, that's that's going to be a battle. I mean, for some reason, Stafford, which he comes from Texas. He's a Texas quarterback in high school. He plays the Cowboys hard, so that's going to be a, a close, tightly game. They like to use all their wide receivers. Um, they don't have much of a run game. So, I mean, it's just going to be one of those games where can the Cowboys be 7-3 and three coming into that into that Patriots game? Who? I'm going to segue to, let's talk about Patriots versus Baltimore Ravens, why don't we? Let's talk about how the Baltimore Ravens was able to control what they was able to control against the Patriots. What I mean by that is that, hey, they went up 17-3. It looked like they were going to just go, wow. It just looked like, oh, my God, here we go, baby. You know what I'm saying? But let me tell you something. 
The Patriots know how to sit there and get themselves together, make adjustments as they're making the game look close, and then get your butts tight and everything like that. But John Harbaugh knows how to coach. He showed it time and time again that he knows how to coach. Damn near better than his brother. But it was smart to get guys like Earl Thomas because he was able to pick out certain of those plays that you, you, you that the Patriots get loose on or just get over on those little quick little hitches and quick little dinking dunks. You have Earl Thomas there for that. That was beautiful. You get Earl Thomas there for that. Marcus Peters, good job for seven tackles for a cornerback. That's wonderful. But they were just getting there, man. They were making the plays. They was getting the three and outs, and they were able to control the ball. Mark Ingram, 15 rushes, 150, 115 yards with seven yards to carry. Lamar Jackson has 16 rushes on 61 yards. But let's talk about some other stuff. Nick Boyle, way to show up. Because, you know, when you look at how they're going to play, you ain't going to sit there and just go flat out look at the wide receivers. You know, Hollywood Brown had three catches, but had a curry. You know, a decent little carry for some yards. But that's look at which I guess they're calling it a completion. <laughs> Excuse me. I guess they're calling it a completion. <clears throat> but they didn't they didn't do nothing Kansas City Chiefs like. They didn't do nothing, you know what I'm saying, out of out of this world like the Saints. They just kept it simple. We're gonna run the ball. Whatever plays they give us, we're gonna get first downs. We're gonna use the clock, but hey, we're gonna we're gonna make plays. But we're gonna get in good field position and try to get points no matter what. And they was able to do that, and they won the game. What made it difficult was having two sacks on Tom Brady and the hits that were sacks, legal hits that you heard because it was other hits that didn't cause for sacks, but you heard. That makes Tom Brady play different. That automatically makes Tom Brady play different. That puts him in a different mind state. Couldn't run the ball. They tried just some certain plays, but you got to extend drives, and they couldn't. Ten catches, Edelman, ten catches, and new. For what? 80 yards? You let Mike Evans get ten catches with Jameis Winston, who's a turnover machine. He's going to have like 200 yards. I mean, that's proof. Go look at the stats. Nobody cares about Dink and Duncan if you can stop it. Meaning, stopping the run play after. Meaning, getting the sack after. Meaning, getting the deflection after. Earl Thomas. Struck, kicking, a, a forcing a field goal. That's how you stop Tom Brady. If you let these Dink and Dunks where these Julian Edelman makes the play here, they get the first down on that play, and, they, and you think, oh, God, and they just keep driving. Then, yeah, they're going to keep driving and scoring. It's just what you're going to do to play after they get that five or six yards and they come second and short. What you going to do, you know what I'm saying, on that play? You got to make a stop. Sonny Michelle was getting hit. That's the beauty of it. That's what you got to do. Lamar Jackson, 17 of 23, 163 yards. They don't gotta be crazy. He don't gotta throw 40 times. It's 100, 107 passer rating. He controlled the game. Now people want to sit there and say he's better than Michael Vick. I'm not ready to say that yet. He will be better than Michael Vick. Have a better career. The way the NFL's played today, yeah, he's gonna have a setup to have a better career. He's not gonna go get through two years in jail. 
knock on wood. We hope he don't do nothing crazy that warrants that. Two, he's in a more friendly NFL for quarterbacks not to get hit. Three, he knows how not to get hit. Four, he knows how to slide real well. I don't think Vic really knew how to get down. He always dove head first and stuff like that, put himself in danger, broke his leg in a preseason game for crying out loud. Concussions and all. So I think he keeps himself more safer than Vic. But I think Vic was a better, just just flat-out better athlete. I think the flick of the wrist, if people look at the passing difference, the zip on the passes, um, the speed even, I say Vic was still more entertaining, more better athlete. Just Lamar Jackson is going to get it done more because of this Jim Harbaugh, I mean this John Harbaugh, in this new style of football that if Vic was able to play in, and we got to see Michael Vick in this, oh, my God. I mean, I mean, come on. Daniel Jones is doing read options, doing RPOs, crying out loud, okay? Nick Foles is doing RPOs, getting five yards. You got Daniel Jones last night, ran RPO and got 11 yards. These teams are taking breaks from practices. They're not tackling. They're not form, They're not forming a continuity in offensive lines because of the limited practices and stuff like that. I'm trying to tell you. Yes, guys are getting hit hard. I ain't sitting there saying guys ain't getting harpooned out there. I'm just saying Michael Vick would have fun in today's NFL compared to how he had to come up and play. And I'm not saying it was a blood sport or just that. I'm just saying it was different. They were like kind of itching into his style of play. Like They was like, okay, we got him and work done, so we're going to try to run this and stuff like that. But it wasn't hardball like the hardball brothers and how they did cap and how John is doing Lamar. It's just not. It's plain and simple. So I, I, I think Lamar Jackson is going to be a hell of a uh, player in this league. He can, he can, you know, he's an MVP candidate, candidacy right now, man. So I give my hats off to him. After all I said, I said Lamar is going to be good, man, and be able to get taken in the first round by Ozzie Newsome, man. It just gave him more confidence, and I'm loving that the Ravens are sticking with him and they're winning with him, and they're positive. They got a better record than the Cowboys. <laughs> so we should be talking about them, right? Nah, I'm just playing. Let's keep it moving. Also, another thing I want to add is that a couple plays in that game, the referees, man, were sitting there like wanting to call penalties for for the Patriots. But they was like, oh, shit, we got to play. We got, damn it, we got to be straight up tonight. They're watching us. It was like one play. It was a... a the Ravens was kicking a field goal, and it, and it ended up being pivotal that they ended up getting a touchdown on that drive because it was a defense encroachment. The ref comes up ready to call false start. Like, damn, it's the Patriots. You know, they ain't going to mess up. And call oh, shit, it was the defense encroachment on the Patriots. Belichick was like, man, what the hell? Nigga, you do your job now. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. But it just was funny because it would happen about two or three times in that game where it was just like, oh, yeah, that's right. You got to call that on the Patriots now. They did that. They did that. Which they had, what, four penalties? No, they had, what, they had, they had seven. Yeah, seven penalties for 48 yards. And that's, you know, that's crazy for the Patriots. London had Houston Texans versus the Jaguars, which London could be having the charges what people were trying to rumor at or trying to snicker at, which I don't, I mean, like, at this point, you done talked about it, rumored about it, NBA is rumored about it and stuff like that. Why don't you go and do the damn thing? Do it. If y'all really want a team overseas, do it. Let's see how it goes. I bet it lasts two years. 
You're not going to sit there and have a player go over. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't know how that would work over. But do it. I just don't see it. A player getting drafted there, not accustomed to there. What if they get in trouble? Laws are different. What if they get in trouble over there? What if, you know, you have somebody like a, somebody that, you know, like a Pac-Man Jones who, you know, might get in like little situations and stuff like that. What if that happens over there? It's a little different over there, man. Like, is our president going to have to step in? Is, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, all right, what, what, what is going to be the, the repercussions for that? The highest trade demands are going to come from the London Chargers. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I know what we're trying to do. Make a Canadian team first, see how it goes. Hey, the Raptors did it. They got a championship last year. You bring a London team, which is turning out great. You look at those London football games they're playing. They're turning out great. The turnouts are wonderful. The, the, the stadiums are always packed. But, hell, we got to wake up two hours early to watch the game. Why game day is on or uh, uh, NFL countdown is on, you know. But anyways, Deshaun Watson, another MVP candidate, I want to talk about. Now, the Texans lost J.J. Watt to a, a torn pictorial, which this is another season, which is the third season in a row that J.J. Watt can't complete it. He's pulling trucks. He's sitting there trying to be the strongest man in the world instead of trying to be the best defensive end. And I feel like that has been a detriment to his career I said Tiger Woods, when he started doing the Navy SEALs training and trying to get all bulked up, it fucked up his back and then messed up his golf career. Now, if you look at J.J. Watt and his career, him trying to do extra strong stuff and you act like I'm not lying. This man was sitting there trying to pull trucks and, and do crazy strength challenges while you're playing NFL football, taking on other strong guys. Look at you. And I'm not... Saying that, like, look at you is a is a spit in the face. No, I'm just saying, man. Like, you work 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 for what you, you what you're doing. You don't have to you don't have to sit there and try to be the strongest man in the field. Be the strongest man on the field, and you might stay on it. I think that was a big detriment to his body, man. Honestly, Gronkowski, um, just an injured guy in, in college and stuff like that. You look at the difference between them two. He was able to sit there and come back from certain injuries and play in Super Bowls and stuff like that. J.J. Watt has put himself in a position where if something goes, he's gone. He's done. Like, it's torn, popped. Golly, you know what I'm saying? I mean, just I just look at things like that, man. It might have been a little bit too much strain for you. And I've seen it happen. And Tiger Woods is one of them. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, unbelievable hands. So I'm gonna say eleven targets, eight catches, forty eight yards, but that's just the catches he makes, like the like the one he caught. I mean, he just he's ridiculous, man. But Deshaun Watson is just a true, true leader. He's starting to get hit less and less and he's starting to be more magical. Um twenty two or twenty eight, two oh one, two touchdowns. Gene Minshew had a bad game, man. And I still think that he can still be good. It's just he's one of those rookies that's gonna take these type of growing pains. Um, a team might lose a little motivation. I don't think they're all the way there playing 100%. Um, even Leonard Fournette, you know what I'm saying, starting to slow down a little bit. But 27 or 47, you don't throw that many times against this team. They're just going to keep, 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 keep three and out. 309, two, two picks. He lost two fumbles. Just a bad game for him over in London, man. The jorts, the crown royal and all that good stuff, man. It, it takes It takes a toll. It takes a toll. 
Gotta get it back going though, man. I got I got faith in you. Got faith in you. Keeping it moving. Keeping it moving. Keeping it moving. But you know, I would say this much. The Jacksonville Jaguars, they tripped me out. You know, from the years where they went to the when they when they was playing against the Patriots and all they needed was a stop on third down, they couldn't get it and they lost and then Saxonville just went totally different. But it's just, you know, you can tell a team that has that good culture, that can might have a culture change and keep things going to steady. You look at the Saints, they won the Super Bowl and they lost to that big run to Marshawn Lynch, and you look like all oh, the Saints are about to go back to the Aints. But look at the Saints. They kept a steady path to be decent, not to be back horrible. I hope that the Jacksonville Jaguars can keep a steady pace with what they got with Bouye. He paying, making big money. They got guys that are talented. Stay on course to where you was at, man. Don't be like the Bengals <laughs> who can't even win a playoff game after a while or can't make the playoffs. Don't be like the Buccaneers who win the Super Bowl and just fall totally off the earth. The Seahawks ain't went nowhere. You get what I'm saying? My point is you have teams that, yeah, we're selling dwellers, but they rise, but they don't seep back down in that cellar. There's teams that have and there's teams that don't. And that's why I use the Saints as a perfect example. They were the Aints. They were who that? They won a Super Bowl, and then they don't win no more after that. But they've always been in the conversation for playoffs, long playoff and long playoff runs. They were just one play away from going to the Super Bowl. That's all I'm saying, man. Keeping it moving. 49ers still undefeated. They beat the Cardinals on Thursday Night Football. I believe I talked about that briefly on my last episode. Um, they're, they're still rolling the Patriots or not. So you look at how far can they go with this undefeated streak and their, their schedule and how they're looking after beating Kyler Murray, who didn't have a bad game. They was there, 25 to 28. Like I said, they were not out of it. But when you look at the 49ers that is able to get it done, but I'm telling you, which game is going to get them? Which one is it? The Seattle one? I believe it might be Seattle at 8-15. How can that be? You know what I'm saying? I hope it can happen. I mean, I just really hope it can happen. Um, then they got to play Arizona again right after that, then Green Bay. So can, can if they beat Seattle, can Arizona muster up the, the, the gusto to try to get them? Which I think Seattle may get them. Green Bay, they could lose three in a row. Or they might, they might, they might go uh, one and two. They got Seattle, Arizona, Green Bay. Green Bay going to have to wake up. November 24th, 4-25. Wake up. I'm one of the ones that's sitting there wanting this team to lose because, I'm, you know, after week one, the Buccaneers, man, they should have beat the 49ers. We should have been the first team to beat the 49ers. But they got Baltimore. Their schedule is not no cream puff. Seattle, they had a close one against Arizona. Green Bay, Baltimore, New Orleans, Atlanta, L.A., Seattle. The only team that's not, I'm not even going to sit there and say, is Atlanta. Atlanta can't beat them. Especially in, in, in December 15th. They're not even going to try. But look at the, all these teams that are playoff hunters. Green Bay, Baltimore, New Orleans, L.A., Seattle. And they got to play Seattle coming up. 49ers would not end this season undefeated. Mark my words. They will not. Jimmy Garoppolo, 
317, four touchdowns. You would do that against his defense. Sometimes I just don't know where these players be at, their head be at. But Buda Baker be staring off the space sometimes, be cracking me up. Got sacked one time. They couldn't run the ball. Great. But we got a guy like Matt Breida. He can do something, something. And he did something, something. And then you got Tevin Coleman who can catch a little bit. The backfield can be effective and keep certain things honest with defenses, okay? And then Emmanuel Sanders makes a big splash. Seven catches, 112 yards, and a touchdown. Kerry Kittles, I mean, Kerry <laughs> Kittles, excuse me. George Kittle, six catches, 79 yards, and a touchdown. This receiving core, I'm going to talk about that. Is that by the grace of God that Jimmy Garoppolo has such a talented receiving core, adding Emmanuel Sanders to it with the running backs are added with making catches. They're scary. Debo Samuel was good for South Carolina last year. I like uh, um, George Kittle a lot. Then you got Emmanuel Sanders. Then Dante Pettis is not bad. They are good, man. Kendrick Bourne. Um, you know, they just got guys, man, all over the damn place. I mean, so. I mean, like I said, Nick Mullins came in and made this receiving core work because they're good together. They're good. There's so much speed on this receiving core, adding with Debo Samuels, the rookie this year. I mean, it's just crazy, man. So, I mean, the sky's the limit for them. And uh, But I just don't see them going undefeated. But I see them as a good playoff team because that defense is raunchy, and Nick Bosa is young. He's ready to go. Nick Bosa is a force to be reckoned with. Speaking of big injuries in that West Coast, I know it's like the wrong division, but I'm mad that Arden Key got hurt. That was somebody I've been really enjoying this season along with Nick Bosa and guys like that. So, Calvin Murray, keep progressing, 17-24, two touchdowns, 130 quarterback rating. That guy, um, he's he's progressing, he's playing better, and I think Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury is doing a better job of coaching, too, getting the reins together for this team. Uh, improving week by week with trying to get in the end zone. But I think getting that defense more raunchier is what's needed in this division. This division is no bullshit. So, I mean, like, you can't be letting points get all up on you like that. So, I mean, like, you got to be able to stop people. That's what the 49ers were able to do. Just couldn't do it that night and made it a close game. They stopped them when it mattered, though. Keeping it moving. Hey, there was three hours that won. There was three Allens at quarterback that won with the last name Allen. It was Brandon Allen, it was Kyle Allen, and it was Josh Allen. We're going to talk about all three of them in a row. The Panthers beats the Titans 30-20. to Christian McCaffrey is on pace. He's damn near on pace for breaking CJ2K's Chris Johnson's, who they played the Titans, which is ironic, um, or breaking his line of scrimmage, um, yards from scrimmage in a season, which I think is at like 2,600, something like that. If he breaks that, then whew, Christian McCaffrey is going to skyrocket as far as superstardom. When can we sit there and say that we've had such a dominant white running back like this, other than Peyton Hillis? I mean, we're going to say uh, Merle Hodge. He was a fullback. I mean, what, did, did, what's his name? James um, played with Eric Dickerson out in SMU. I don't, I don't think Craig James had a dominant career like Christian McCaffrey's building up, and he can keep it going. He's really playing great. So that's what I'm saying. It's not too many times you'll see a dominant white running back like Christian McCaffrey, and he is just doing the damn thing who won the Heisman Award in college. So you put all that together, this guy is like having such a spectacular, uh, um, 
He's got such a spectacular ceiling. It's damn near to say, man, like Reggie Bush, look out, man. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, he's already, I mean, I'm just saying, man. Jesus. But uh, it's been a, it's been a good season. It's been everything's been good um, with 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 running backs. I mean, like it's been a, it's been a real good situation with the running back situation. I mean, everybody's got a guy. I mean, the Buffalo Bills have discovered a young kid who's going to be probably getting a little bit more carries than Frank Gore. Um, and uh, and uh, what's his name? Um, Mr. Devin Singletary had 20 carries and 95 yards. And that was Josh Allen who won the game for the Buffalo Bills against the uh, Washington Redskins, and that was 24-9. So you got the two Allens, Cal Allen 30-20 over the Titans, then you got Josh Allen 24-9 over the Redskins, and then you got Brandon Allen who beat the Cleveland Browns who can't just beat nobody right now. Freddie Kitchens is on his way out the door. Brandon Allen gets his first NFL start and comes in there and beats the Cleveland Browns. Now they're three and six. Browns are two and six. Cortland Sutton, he shows that you know I I, I knew him coming out of SMU was going to be good. And it don't matter, I guess, who you got a quarterback. Just try to get him the ball, and you're going to get something positive. Baker Mayfield is looking like complete trash. He's getting sacked. He's starting to look just look pedestrian out there. And they're just trying to do do way too much with the receiving core they got. They're not getting in the end zone. The defense is I mean the defense is good, but they got they staying on the field too long. That's just a big problem right there. That's a very serious problem right there. So you got the three Allens, they get the victory. Um the Eagles, they take on the Bears. We already know their fate. The Bears can't even move the ball with Mitchell Trubisky. The defense is now starting to lose their motivation to even give a damn even more. You know, they was leaving Ertz wide open. Um, I saw Mal Sanders sitting there getting some yards, some big chunk yards that you are not accustomed to seeing against the Chicago Bears. But when you have an offense that can move one yard in two quarters, that's that's embarrassing. I don't care what you do in the second half to try to resurge that. I mean, I know he made a big long pass or whatever like that, but there's really nothing you can do with a with a with a team that moves the ball the way they do. With a quarterback that is pedestrian as Mr. Bisky. Jacoby Brissett, like I mentioned earlier, went down with a knee injury. He goes down and Hoyer comes in and the Steelers gets their third win in a row. I think if Jacoby Brissett stays in that game, they win. But, you know, Mason Rudolph played a good game. Uh, you didn't have Benny Snell or James Conner, and they still got it done with a third string running back. Um, and, and I'm going to mention another thing, too. Juju Smith-Schuster is not what you know, people thought he was going to be this year. And they're still, you know saying, they're getting it done. But minus they played the Dolphins on one win. They got a win against, uh, like I said, a hurt coach team. And what was the last week they beat the, uh, what was it, the Bengals? Was it the Bengals they beat? So, I mean, you know, you get three wins in a row like that. You, you, you feel, I mean, what was it? Uh, oh, they beat the Rams. Excuse me. No, it wasn't the Rams. What was the Rams? What was the Rams? Yeah, it was the Rams. They beat the Rams. The Chargers, excuse me. They beat the Chargers, not the Rams. They beat the Chargers. And then the Chargers beat the Packers. So, I mean, you know, they, I guess you can say that that's one win you can give them. 
Chargers trying to resurge and they get the win against the Packers. But I still don't see uh, nothing too exciting for them to win in three games in a row. I mean, I guess if they can keep keep it up, they can try to make somewhat interesting news, maybe. I don't know. But I don't see no playoff future for the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mason Rudolph. I don't see that at all. And they should be talking about him next year instead of Ben Roethlisberger coming back. I knew somebody was talking about, well, what this team could look like next year with Ben Roethlisberger. I wouldn't plan on it. Plan on Mason Rudolph. Give him the confidence to take over this team. Minka Fitzpatrick has four interceptions as a Pittsburgh Steeler. This team got a bright future. I wouldn't worry about putting in a 39-year-old quarterback who just tore his arm. I ain't never heard that other than Brett Favre, and he quit playing. Tampa Bay Buccaneers went against the Seahawks. James Winston didn't throw an interception. It goes to overtime, and they still lose the game. Russell Wilson, an MVP candidate, an MVP frontrunner, showed how to drive up and down the field when it mattered, even though the Buccaneers were sticking it to him every time they got the ball. And like I mentioned, if you have a guy that's got 10 catches or more and they don't got 100 yards from passing, then they ain't going nowhere moving the ball. Mike Evans had 12 catches, 180 yards, and a touchdown. That's going somewhere. And they put up 34 points. It's just that the Seahawks put up 40. Ronald Jones is now going to be starting for the Buccaneers at running back after his impressive last, what, three games? But like I said, Jameis, when he don't squint, they can score 30 points. When he squints a lot, it's when he throws four or five picks, and that's why we're 2-6. and six. Seahawks are now 7-2. and two. Russell Wilson... Only has, what, two interceptions on this year. I think one. Only one. Keep that keep that in mind. That's why he's an MVP frontrunner. The Raiders beat the, the, the Lions 31-24. Josh Jacobs impresses again. Derek Carr only got sacked once. He only He's not getting hit all crazy like he used to. They're starting to get rid of the ball quick, and they're making a certain place. His little loft throws are dangerous, but they're connecting. They're a little dangerous. I mean, you play against defenses that's looking out for that. They're not gonna. They're not gonna let you sit there and throw lollipop passes like that. Detroit gonna have to make it up, and like I said, they're gonna be have to play the Cowboys here soon. They need to start winning some games if they're gonna be competitive in this NFC North. That pretty much the Packers are gonna be trying to run away with. Because the Vikings, you don't need to be losing, especially if you don't if you're not going against Patrick Mahomes. When they lost to the Chiefs 26-23, and they let Matt Moore come back, even at that. Is even bad. And the Dolphins may have ruined their chances for the first pick of the draft, which everybody thought that they was going to be trying to land to attack of Aloha. And then they go and lose and win their first game and beat the Jets. So now that puts the Cincinnati Bengals in position to get to attack of Aloha or whoever they want to get. And now the Dolphins looking like they might be getting in like the third pick if the season ended today. The Dolphins would have the third pick of the draft because they won. They beat the Jets. They should have lost. But, you know, when your pride is there, you're going to try to win a game, man. I mean, damn. The Dolphins it was was probably like, we ain't trying to win. But the Jets was like, we ain't trying to win either. Interesting. Maybe that's what happened with the Green Bay Packers. Maybe they, they ate the same cereal, went out to L.A. and just laid a stinker against the Chargers. Melvin Gordon, for all people, looked good. That's crazy. Um... Um, it just it's just crazy with that man. I, don't, I just know how they went to LA and then looked like they were the defense with Preston Smith and all the guys Savage and Jairus Alexander. You would think a defense would travel. They surely did not travel. 
Um, the Chargers got back on their good foot, and Phillip Rivers started passing other people other than Keenan Allen. Mike Williams was making big plays, and, and then so on and so forth. Like I said, an interesting week nine. An interesting week nine. It's been a good uh, week of uh, NFL football. Like I said, college football is probably one of the more boring weeks of college football. Um, and like I talked about on uh, my last episode, West Virginia took a loss on Thursday to Baylor. It was close. Could have won it. Um, you know, you got some SEC teams getting more close and close games. Uh, Florida State fired their coach, Willie Taggart. He's gone, which that team was going on a nosedive. They got beat by uh, Miami in, the, in one of the biggest rivalries in, in college football, in football in general, on ABC. You know, just imagine how big of a rival it could be where teams have records such as Miami going in the game 4-4 four and four, and the Florida State was like 2-5 and five or something like that. And they're on ABC, primetime football. That's how powerful a rivalry is. I wouldn't put them on primetime TV, and I'm a Miami fan. When it did it. When even thought of it. But, you know, moving on, we got Heisman candidacy, you know what I'm saying? People were talking about who's going to be Tua, who's going to be, you know, uh, what Mike Taylor, I guess now you can say, uh, Joe Burrow, and you got, uh, and uh, Jalen Hurts is still, I guess, is up there, but it's not that it's not as been as uh, as exciting college football season. It really has not been where I'm like, woo, like man, it's been great. It hasn't. It's going to get great when it gets to the championship games because you got these top teams that are jockeying for position, and you're going to have these crazy conference title games. That's going to be interesting to watch to see when LSU plays against Alabama or Ohio State plays against Penn State. Whenever uh, uh, um, Clemson goes against. Uh, well, I mean, well, I don't want the Clemson ain't going to play nobody up to snuff in ACC. But it's looking like it's going to be better on later on. Right now, I'm not really feeling these games. I, you know, Auburn doesn't look like they're going to beat Alabama. LSU versus Alabama, that's going to be a great one. I cannot wait to see that one. I'm watching every down of that. Just like I'll watch every down of Ohio State, Penn State. SMU finally takes a loss. And I repeat. SMU finally takes a loss to Memphis, a uh, ranked team at that. So 54 to 48, who would have thought that? Now they got to play against East Carolina to get back on the good foot. Interesting. So we'll talk about that another time. But that's been my breakdown of the week nine of the NFL season. Like I said, I just wanted to touch on college football a little bit, not really to go all in it because it's going to get more interesting later on. But I hope you all enjoyed this episode. I'm going to keep it moving. And you all catch me on the next one. Let's see what's going to happen this week in the NBA. Like I said, I'm going to probably come on um, tomorrow. Probably have an episode either tomorrow or Thursday about the NBA. We're going to talk about some interesting things with block shots going crazy in L.A. And we got some young rookies that are just tearing the scene up without Zion Williamson. We're not saying Zion Williamson is crazy. And we're going to talk about some surging players, too, that's been playing well as that with these, what, first, what, eight games in the season. So y'all have a good one. I'm gone. Saw Straight Talk Show.